Now, uh, let's uh, open our Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 3. We got a ton of content today. I'm going to just go through like a million verses. Well, slightly less than that. But I'm going to start. We finished in verse 6 last week. I'm going to start in verse 7, go all the way through verse 30. Say, you'll never do it. I'm going to talk fast, and you've got to listen fast, okay? And by the way, um, so this is your homework. If you're in a small group, we have homework. There's questions, and they're based on Sunday sermon. You can download the questions on Facebook or the web page. Is that right, Mike? You got them posted already? They will be. Okay. They will be before Wednesday. <laughs> so, what's that? They will be before the end of the service. There you go. Um, so let's, uh, let's give our attention to the reading of God's word. We'll pray. We'll begin. Verse 7 of Mark chapter 3. But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea, and from Jerusalem, from Idumea, and from beyond Jordan, and they about Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude, when they had heard what great things he did, came unto him. And he spake to his disciples that a small ship should wait on him because of the multitude, lest they should throng him. For he had healed many, and so much as they pressed upon him, for to touch him as many as had plagues. And unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God! And he straightly charged them that they should not make him known. And he goeth up into a mountain, and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal sicknesses, and to cast out devils. And Simon, he surnamed Peter, and James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James, uh, and he surnamed them Boanerges, which is the sons of thunder, and uh, Andrew and Philip, and Bartholomew and Matthew, and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him. And they went into an house, and the multitude cometh together again, so that they could not so much as eat bread. And when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said, He is beside himself. And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, He hath Beelzebub. And by the prince of the devils casteth he out devils. And he called them unto him, and said unto them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself, and, he divide, and be divided, he cannot stand, but hath an end. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house. Verily I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies wherewith soever they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation, because they said he hath an unclean spirit. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you'd bless your word to our understanding, and you would give us great clarity and Lord, we are serious Bible students. We take your word very seriously, and we set our, our life's course by what it says. God, save us from error. Save us from 
hardness of heart and from all the things that would stand in our way from receiving here this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we left our hero. Uh, the Pharisees went forth, verse 6, and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. We talked about what strange bedfellows they were and kind of any port in a storm. You're against Jesus, we're against Jesus. Let's get him. Uh, and the great hypocrisy, uh, it was a bad thing in their thinking to heal a man on the Sabbath, but to plot the death of the Messiah on the Sabbath, that's, that's okay somehow. Incredible. But Jesus withdrew himself and his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee uh, followed him from Judea. So he's up in the Galilee. And so great multitude from Galilee followed him. Would well, you expect that? And from Judea and from Jerusalem. Well, those are down south. So people up down south are coming up uh, to see him as well. And from beyond Jordan, uh, and from Idumea, and from beyond Jordan. Idumea, what's that? Edom, which is in modern day Jordan, and from beyond jo Jordan. So the people to the east of Jordan, they're coming to see him. And they about tire inside. Now that's way up in the north, the northeast. It's in Lebanon today. So he's attracting people from all around. He's not attracting anyone from the west because that's the Mediterranean Sea. You know what I mean? So people generally don't live in the sea. So from all around, people are coming to see him. He's attracting huge crowds. This is, I say Jesus mania at its biggest. And I say that respectfully. You know, I'm not ever trying to be disrespectful, especially about the Son of God. But this is where his fame is at its height. And it's going to start to turn a little bit now. And we'll see that even in today's study. But there's a great multitude, and they're thronging him. Um, when he spake to his disciples that a small ship should wait on him because of the multitude, lest they should throng him. For he had healed many, insomuch they pressed upon him for to touch him, as many as had plagues. That was very important to Jesus. Almost as important as the gospel, but nothing is important as the gospel. He wants people to eternally receive him more than just temporarily be healed from whatever sicknesses uh, they're predisposed to have. Uh, and unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. Are they right? Yes. <laughs> Evil spirits are very orthodox. Uh, at one point, you remember the the demoniac of the Gadarenes, you know? He comes out, thou art the son of God. Uh, what have you, what have you to do with thee, Jesus, the, the son of the most high God? Hast thou come to persecute us before the time? They know where they're going. They know who he is, and they know their end. We don't know that. I mean, we do as Bible, but I mean, as America, we don't know that. Many of us have signed up on the wrong team. That's that's bad, as again, we'll see in today's reading. And he straightly charged them that they should not make him known. Why? They're saying truth. For once in their whole lives, they're saying what actually is. Listen, Jesus is going to be accused of being de demonical. De de he's going to be accused of being demon-possessed. And he wants nothing to do with their, even though they're correct, you know, people are already making the connecting dots to he's demonic. 
And so he doesn't need that sort of publicity coming from, even when it's true, it's coming from a very bad, nefarious, a dark place that he doesn't want to associate with at all. And so basically he says, shut up. We don't, he straightly charged them that he should not make him known. And he, and I imagine when he says, hey, shut up, they immediately, that was, it was like flipping a switch. That's their creator talking to them. I don't think they would dare misbehave. <clears throat> he goes up in a mountain, and, and I think it's in Matthew, he's in a mountain all night, and he's praying about his disciples, whom he should select. Here it just says, he goeth up in the mountain, and calleth on them who he would. Why? Because he's the sovereign. He gets the rules. He gets to select. You say, well, that's not quite fair. Did he select you? Fair enough. You know what I mean? Uh, we uh, A lot of biting our toenails over. Oh, did he select us? Did we select him? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Uh, who would be his disciples? Well, he chose 12, and that didn't involve you, and it didn't involve me. But he, the 12 are called the 12, his disciples, and his apostles, and they're called apostles. They're very specific. They're the foundation of the eternal city, Jerusalem. We saw that in our study in Revelation. They're foundational to everything that goes on. Many of them wrote this beloved book that we're reading. You say, what about the Gospel of Mark? Uh, Mark wasn't one of the 12. No, but he hung around with Peter, who was, and this is probably the rec recollections of Peter. This is, again, the thing, the foundation, the thing that we stand on. Um, and we're not one of the 12, so forget about it. Your name's not on one of the foundation stones, neither is mine. So this doesn't really pertain to us. Well, wait a second, I didn't say that. Are you an apostle? Apostle means one sent forth. In Matthew 28, where he tells his apostles to go out and preach the word into all the world, remember? Starting in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Does that involve you? Does that involve me? Yes, I'd say in that way we are apostles. Uh, are we disciples? A disciple is just, a, you know, there's a teacher-disciple, a teacher-student. Uh, we're devotees, disciples. He's the master. We're the students. He's the teacher. We're, we're the followers. Are we disciples of Jesus Christ? Very much so. So I think this does pertain to us. And I think this is what you have to understand about being an apostle or being a disciple. He ordained 12 that they should be with him first and foremost. Before you go out rescuing the world, before you, you know, chasing demons around, before you're the whole, listen, be with Jesus. And one, this is the power source, but I don't think that's what he's talking about. I think he's talking about just fellowship. I think he loved these men. You know, three years, there's campfires involved, there's, uh, you know, um, joyous celebrations, there's the feeding of the 5,000. They're scared to death when he's walking on the water. They went through a lot together. And I think, you know, that's what the groups are about on Wednesday night. Doing life together. Remember, hey, Levi, come, follow me. What's he saying? Levi, let's do 
life together. You know, we talk about this all the time. Here, if you're confused about religion and relationship with Jesus Christ, I, you must have been sleeping through most everything I've ever said. I'm not calling you to religion. Jesus isn't calling to your religion. And people think, okay, Bible, God, oh, that must religion. The religious people are the ones who killed him, okay? I, I just want you to understand that. I, okay, God created Adam and Eve. What religion were they? They were man and his wife, and they were hanging out with God. God came in the cool of the day and just kind of fellowshiped. It wasn't about religion. It was about love. It was about relationship. It was about doing life together. Now, sin came and marred up the picture. The word religion it comes from the Latin relingare. It means to relink. Good luck. You're never going to have... You do religion until the cows come home. You're never going to relink with God. But he will relink with you. He, will, he came and he, he made himself available to us. Here, we see that he, he ordained the twelve, that they should be with him. Don't miss that critical thing. I spend time with God. God pours into me. And the overflow assures. If I don't spend any time with God, I'm, I'm sure it's going to show. I'm sure that's going to show. I'm going to be doing spiritual work on the power of my own physical flesh. What will happen? Chaos. Nothing good. Um, so he, he won, that he, he sent them forth um, that, that they should be with him, that he should send them forth to preach, right? The Great Commission, ultimately, but in the interim, he, he sends them to do that. And to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. And we're going to visit more on that later on, okay? Okay, and then he gives us a list of the apostles. We can go over this, but you're going to find out in the questions, there's three places in the New Testament list the disciples. None of the lists match. And I'm going to give you the answer, okay? That's because they have more than one name. Because Peter, his original name is Simon, we'd say in Hebrew today, Shimon, right? But he's called Cephas. Where does that come from? That's the Aramaic word for rock because Jesus changed his name to Rocky. We, he called him the rock. That's what he called him. And you see, so now we got, you know, Greek, Aramaic, and now we've anglicized it. We've got King James in there and everything else. The, the names are because... Um, well, can I give you just something that's in the, right at the top of my brain? In uh, Acts chapter 1, they're going to replace Judas. Okay. And they appointed two in ver- chapter 1, verse 23. Joseph called Barsabbas, who is surnamed Justice and Matthias. The lot fell on Matthias. Good, because is it Joseph or is it Persabbas or is it surnamed Justice? The guy's got three names. Uh, and that's how it is very often. So don't let it throw you, because people criticize about, oh, they can't even get their apostles together. They're all the same people. They just go by different names sometimes. And here's a good example of that, okay? And I already told you about Simon, Peter, Cephas, three names, okay? That's the whole secret to why the names... Are, are sometimes 
they don't uh, quite line up. But they're the, the same 12 people. They just All they are is called different things. Uh, and so this is the 12. Simon, he surnamed Peter. By the way, all the lists have Simon first. Simon Peter first. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James. And he surnamed Boanerges, which is the sons of thunder. <laughs> Interesting to me. And Andrew. That's... Uh, uh, Simon's brother, by the way, Simon Peter's brother, Andrew, and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew, we ran into him, he's Levi from last week, he, hey, come follow me, that's Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, so there's two Jameses, he's also called James the Less sometimes, why, because he's not as important? Probably because he's not as tall. We do the same thing, you know, we we see some guy like, you know, six foot eight, we call him tiny or something. And, you know, we see a guy who's like five foot nothing, we call him stretch. We, it's the same, you know, I mean, we just because just we're knuckleheads. Uh, Sue's loves, cause I told her, okay, this is uh, some of the guys that, you know, work. This is Big Tuna, this is Little Tuna, these are the docks, this is Mikey Pelican, this is Shamu. Uh, and, you know, and she, she loves that stuff. Guys do that all the time. We just do that, you know. We can't call anyone by their name. God forbid that should ever happen, right? I don't know why, because uh, we're knuckleheads. And so anyway, um, we have James the last, right, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Canaanite. He's also called Simon the Zealot. And Judas Iscariot, which also betray, betrayed him, and they went into a house. Now, two things you got to know. First, Peter's always first. Judas is always last. And every time it mentions Judas, there's always a pejorative phrase, such as, which also betrayed him. There's always something like that connected with Judas. But let's keep, go, let's keep moving. And the multitude cometh together again so they could not so much as eat bread. They're thronging him. It's, everyone's coming from everywhere to see Jesus. And they're about him all the time. And by the way, oh, before I just say this, uh, you know, so I heard a nice real study, and you can do this. You can listen to like Joe Foch on the this passage here, and he went to each one and all the different. And it's a study that I think is very, very worthwhile. But if you do it really good, it's going to take you more than a Sunday, you know, for me to teach it all the way through, all these references. Uh, some of these times, you know, you know, Peter and his, at Caesarea Philippi, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Uh, four stars, Peter, that's excellent. You and later on in the same chapter, Jesus rebuking him, saying, get behind me, Satan. Um, and I think that's what it is with them. They're just guys, just like us. You know, they, they mess up. There's some stuff with a really courageous Philip. Hey, let's go to Jerusalem and die with them. And, and, and then there's, you know, times like you're just kind of like, you know, where they're arguing about who's the greatest. And they, they're, they're very human. They're very much like us. And if you flesh that out, and it's a very good study. It really, really is very worthwhile to undertake. But we're going to put that aside for now. Judas, he, he, he fascinates me. Uh, he really does. How do you spend three years with Jesus and not get infested, infected, enveloped by his love? How do you, how do you, how do you hold Jesus at arm's length for three years? I, I, don't, I don't understand some things. I read in Scripture, I'm reading the same verses you're reading, but I don't understand how it can be. 
Again, let's keep moving. Okay, the multitude cometh together again, so they could not so much as eat bread. Think about it. Jesus had to have his private time where he did his uh, ablutions or his cleansing ritual that we all, you know, do and things. And it's just, he can't even, he can't even have lunch, but people are all around him all the time. I mean, there's no uh, peace whatsoever here. Uh, is he neglecting, uh, you know, taking care of himself? Well, he can't even eat lunch. I mean, I guess there's a, a place where, and, and it's hard because, like, what do you do to somebody who's a leper, right? Hey, look, can you just go away and stop bugging me? I, got, I haven't even had my lunch yet. Like, well, you know, what is this? I know you're dying, but, I, you know, I got the tuna fish sandwich here. Uh, you know, I don't want to get soggy. I, Jesus isn't like that. He's putting the needs of others first, right? Even to his own detriment, if I could put it that way. They couldn't even eat bread. When his friends heard of it, and this is interesting, he's saying, well, this is his mother and his brethren. No, that's at the end of the chapter. We didn't get there yet. This is his friends. Jesus has friends. Uh, are these the 12? No, they're just like people he grew up with. When his friends heard of it, they went to lay hold on him, for they said, he is beside himself. Why would they think Jesus is, and by the way, it's, the idea is schizophrenic. Why would they think Jesus is mentally unstable? That's a kind of a crazy accusation to put on Jesus Christ, because they grew up with him. They were his friends. And he's saying, in chapter 2, verse 28, therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. He just claimed divinity. Wait a second. He was a little boy. He learned how to walk. Learned how to talk. He grew up. We went to, we went to like a Sabbath school together. We went to, uh, you know, uh, we used to go fishing down on the... Uh, you know, and he, all of a sudden he's God? What, what's going on here? You can remember, um, his, even his family doesn't believe on him. We're told that specifically in Scripture. Imagine growing up with Jesus in the house. Imagine being his sisters, right? At least two. I think a whole bunch of them, but at least two, because the word sisters, plural, is used. Imagine being the younger sister of Jesus Christ. You feel very protected and very loved. I bet he was the most awesome brother in the world. How do you say that? Because he is now. Hello? Uh, imagine, is he picking on you, pulling your pigtails, calling you names like I did to my sisters? But that's the story for another time. We're close now, okay? <laughs> is, he, is he teasing them? Is he, is he hard on them? Is he their, their knight in shining armor? No, no boys are picking on Jesus Christ's sisters. Not him around. Imagine growing up with him. But they didn't know he was God. He, he's just like every other little boy, except without sin. Incredible to think you know, some of these things through. He's beside himself. He thinks he's the Lord of the Sabbath. What's that all about? Um, he's healing people. There's a quadriplegic, paralyzed, quadriplegic, paraplegic, we don't know. Somebody let down through the roof. He says, get up, take up your bed, and go home. 
And the guy does. There's a guy with a withered hand. He says, I, w- I want you to uh, stretch forth your hand. And it was restored like the other one. De- he, he's, he's casting out demons. He cleansed a leper. Maybe many at this point. Has he resurrected anyone from the dead? I'm not sure exactly where these stories fall in with others. So you, you don't know at what point he's doing what. Has he fed 5,000 at this time? No, I don't believe so. But he's doing a lot of miraculous signs. Is this God in the flesh? Do you have to come to that place where you have to determine that? Well, his friends, they couldn't conceive about it. He, they, he, he's unbalanced. He's, he's not well. You know, come on, Jesus. We get some, uh, you know, milk and some crackers for you. Let's, uh, let's be calm and, let's, you know, put a house coat and some fuzzy slippers on him and get him to calm down. And, uh, you know, they're concerned, and that's sweet, but they're so wrong. When his mother and brothers come, and we'll look at that last week, that's a study all by itself. Where are they coming for? Because of the same reason. So that's their take on it. But the scribes and the Pharisees, they had a different take. The scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, He hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of the devils casteth he out devils. Beelzebub means Lord of the Flies. It also means Lord of something even worse than that that I can't say because this will be on the radio and I wouldn't say that word anyway. Lord of dung. Okay? This is not... And they're saying he's possessed by this prince of the demons. Wow! Really good theology. Listen. At this point... Nicodemus, remember Nick, Nicodemus who came to him by night saying, we you know you're sent from God. Nobody can do the things that you do unless God is with them. This is post-Nick at Night interview. This is after that. We get it. You're from God. But why would they, they, they wouldn't? What, what, did, what did Nicodemus go to Jesus all about? Was it a quid pro quo? Listen, you can't be calling us whitewashed sepulchers. We're the religious establishment around here. Why don't you join up with us? We'll make a formidable, we'll overthrow Rome. What did, what did he come to him for? To, to, you know, to get him to join the team? To, what, what was that all about? And Jesus went, hey, you've got to be born again and all that. It's lovely. Would, that's where, for God so loved the world, that's that whole passage where that came from. Incredible. Anyways, that's a story for another time. But this has already happened. The Pharisees, their representative was sent to Jesus. Yeah, we know you're from God. No, we, we get it. I mean, we understand. You're cleansing lepers, never been done. You're healing people who were born blind, never been done. You're raising the dead, perhaps at this point, never been done. Um, I think this guy here might be the real deal. But here's the official policy, the official statement, he's demon-possessed. Oh, we're not arguing that he's doing these miraculous signs, but the reason he's doing them is he's, it's by the power of Satan. Really, really good theology. It's so almost laughable 
But Jesus takes time to develop why that isn't so. And it's important that you know this because I think there are still people in that camp. By the prince of devils, he's casting out devils. He called them unto him and he said unto them in parables. Now I want you to understand something. This is called the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and there's a definite crisis point here, a definite mark in time where Jesus starts to deal with people differently. And now he speaks to them in parables. Look, because they said he's, uh, he's demonic. We can see this very good in Matthew. Oh, I don't know. I think it's 12 or 13. Okay. Uh, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 24, when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. And now, um, chapter 13, look at verse 3. He spoke unto them many things in parables, saying, behold, a so, so and forth to so. Saying, well, yeah, but Jesus always talks in parables. Not so. Look. Verse 10, when his disciples came and said unto them, why speakest thou unto them in parables? What are, you, what are you doing? You never did like this before. The Sermon on the Mount was straightforward. There's no parables in it. He just taught them. He taught them about heaven. He taught them about hell. He taught them about how a man ought to be. He taught them about a lot of things, and he just taught them. Now, parables are introduced. Why? Because he's gonna, I'm glad the disciples asked this question. They just called him demonic, and now he speaks to them in parables. He answered and said unto them, verse 11 of chapter 13 of Matthew, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. People say, wrongly, that parables illumine a certain topic, or they give light, or they, well, to the initiated, to those who understand, to, to those who hear more, look, look at Therefore speak I unto them parables, because they, seeing, see not, and hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, uh, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and not perceive. For this heart, people's heart is wax gross, and the ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Who's closed their eyes? They have. Why? Lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear what there is and should understand and the, uh, with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. Now, is parables given for illumining? Well, bl but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them and to hear those things which you have heard and not heard them. And then he goes on to explain the parable of the sower. Oh, okay, you think I'm demonic? Now parables come. And it's a grace. Every time you hear something, you're responsible for it. So they're hearing less. Uh, some people, so uh, this, this farmer went out and he had this seed and he put some seed on the, and it was hard ground, the birds came and they ate it. And some seed fell among thorns and, you know, that when it sprang up, the thorns and the weeds choked it off. And some was on, like, really shallow ground. It sprang right up, but it didn't have any roots, so it didn't stick around very long. And some seed was on good ground, and it brought forth a hundredfold. There you go. Have a good day. 
And some people said, what was that all about? Off they went. And some people stuck around and said, what was that all about? And he would tell them, and he would instruct them. Isn't he awesome? And to the ones who didn't want to hear, listen, it's going to be very bad for them on Judgment Day anyway. Why would you add more? So this is a turning point. Again, in, in Matthew, it's kind of obvious. Here in Mark, they call him Beelzebub, and he called them on his, uh, uh, unto him and said unto them in parables. A parable means uh, para alongside, uh, parable, um, cast something alongside is the idea. This relates to this, this relates to this, this relates to this. Okay? He wasn't really a farmer uh, going out sowing seed. The, the farmer, the seed sower, was, was God himself, Jesus Christ. The seed is the word of God. Do you remember when the birds come and they collect the seed off that hard path? He said, that's Satan and his crowd there. The birds are symbolic of Satan. This means this, this means this, this means this. Okay? Now, he's talking to them in parable. How can Satan cast out Satan? You just said, I'm, I'm, I'm casting out demons by the, by the prince of demons. How is that even possible? If a kingdom be divided against itself, the kingdom cannot stand. I don't want to go off on a tangent. I think, you know, during the Civil War, Lincoln called it the, the country, a house divided, you remember? And it, it wouldn't have grown to be the superpower that it later, superpower status it later enjoyed had it been two nations. It's two nations now. And I ain't joining their nation. I'm not going to be the woke, the, the anti-God, the spirit of antichrist. Just go along to get along. What's your problem? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's a bridge too far. Uh, I have to be unrighteous to be righteous in their eyes. No. No. It's a house divided, to be sure. Will it stand? Um, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not a prophet, but I can read the Bible. And I want to tell you something. It's very, very, very sad to me that the Constitution isn't the Constitution anymore, that we don't go by it. People swear by it to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. If you're in the armed services, you took that oath. I did. And it doesn't have an expiration date on it, by the way. And everyone who was, is in office, elected to office, takes that same oath. But some don't mean it. I'm very sad because I'm passing this country. My, my, my parents passed this country on to me, passed the torch on to me, and I'm not passing it on to my children or my grandchildren the same way that I received it. And it's very sad. But that's a story for another time. If a kingdom be divided against self, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house be divided against self, that house cannot stand. Jesus, we get it. We totally get it. We see that. I don't think anyone's arguing that point. If Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, but hath an end. This is how it works. You got two, like civil war, house divided, right? You got the north and the south. You got, you got two armies facing off where? Bull Run, Shiloh, Gettysburg, a lot of different battles, right? And so one general on one side takes his revolver and starts shooting his own men, every other guy right in the back of the head, just wiping them out. 
that team's going to lose today. I'm afraid that, that can't work. You know what I mean? We see this in the Old Testament. You know, the armies come against Israel and it says God discomfited them and then they start, you know, attacking each other. And I, I think of that like the Three Stooges, you know, where they're just running around in circles hitting each other with a shovel and stuff like that accidentally. It's God discomfited them. I don't even know what it means. I won't look it up because that's how, that's how I like to perceive it, you know. Uh, just wiping out each other. You know, they, they're the attacked in the dark, you know, by Gideon and his forces, and they're all freaking out, and they're killing each other. And God discomfits. No, that, that, that army, they're losing today, right? If Satan rises up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand but half an end. Even demons are loyal to other demons. Incredible. Now, here's something that I want you to understand. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods. And I did, uh, 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 take all his stuff, spoil his goods, right? Except he first bind the strong man, then he will spoil his house. You break into somebody's house, right? They pull out nine, meter, uh, nine millimeter, point it at you, pull the trigger, and it's all done. You, know, you ain't going away with all his stuff today. And by the way, I would recommend don't do that because of that reason. Uh, but let's say he doesn't have a gun, you don't have a gun. You break into his house... You want to take his stuff. You've got to get, deal with that guy. And by the way, again, I'm not saying that you should do this. I'm just saying this is the way it has to be done. You've got to take him. You've got to tie him up. You've got to lock him in the basement. You've got to take his phone away. You've got to do something to render him inoperable. You've got to beat him over the head. You've got to kill him. You've got to bind the strong man if you're going to take all his stuff. Okay? That's how it works. It's always worked that way. Who's the strong man? Satan. Who's the guy who's breaking into his house and spoiling his goods? Jesus. What is his goods? You? Me? Yay, Jesus. I, I, I think this is awesome. I think that, now listen, that's a parable, okay? But if we connect the dots, that's what he's saying. No one can, and, and by the way, can Jesus do this? Listen, I, I, I want you to understand something about Satan. I want you to understand something about Satan. You, you have to understand this. Chapter 11 of Luke, if you want to turn there, you can. But I'm just going to read a couple of verses. They, cut, they said the same thing. You're doing this by Beelzebub. Verse 19, if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by who do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. If I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, do you say what I just said? Look. Flick. That's Jesus' finger work. Now look, when he saved you, what is that in Scripture? The right arm of the Lord. It was, he, he had to pull up the sleeve. He had to flex a muscle to save my worthless carcass. Why? He had to overcome my reticence. He had to overcome my rebellion. He had to come to earth and he had to die. That's work. He sweat. Drops of blood, to, and, and he was hung on a cross to save you and save me. That's his, the righteous right arm of the Lord revealed. What about creation? That's his handiwork. All right? That's in Psalm 20 or 21. I can't remember. Uh, you know, it talks about the glory of God, that the, the, the uh, element, the, all that there is declares the glory of God. It says, you know, the stars are his finger work. To save you, arm. To create all that there is, handiwork. Dealing with Satan, 
yawn, flick. I, I know some of us are freaked out by Satan. We're just like, oh, Satan, oh, oh. He's a cherub. On your own power, you want, you wouldn't last two seconds against him. Vegas says the over and under is two seconds. I'm voting under. I don't think you're going to last two, two seconds in the same ring with, with Satan in your own power. But it's not our own power. We have the spirit of the living God, the creator in us and Satan. As a, look, we're freaked out by Satan. I think Satan is freaked out by a spirit-filled man or woman of God. Somebody say amen. Do you see how ridiculous this is? It's, we're giving him power that he doesn't even have. For, for instance, I say from now, November is triple tithe month. I want you to take your normal giving and triple it. You say, on what authority? I just made it up. And you eat. If you do that, you're knucklehead anyway. But look, I, I, but I wouldn't ever say that. But I'm just giving you a stupid example. I don't have the authority to do that. No, what I ever do it. But if you went and, well, Adam says I got to do it. I don't have any authority to do that. It's like Satan. He says, you're going to do this. You're going to do that. Well, I guess I got to just go along and people will persecute me. And, and we're just we're ridiculous. Psalm 91, he's given us power to tread on, on uh, um, snakes and lions. Why? Because they're both satanic symbols. In Romans 16, God will shortly put Satan under our feet. I am not freaked out about Satan. My God, who died for me, who loves me, has given me authority over Satan. I think you are on the post office wall in hell. You're like the ten most wanted. You're all of them. You, he, he would kill you if he could. Why are you still alive then? Because he can't. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. <sighs> Why do we follow? Why do we do after what Satan tells us to do? Why do we let him freak us out? Why do we... Even, he's, he's, he's finger work. Think it all the way through. God's given us power to tread on snakes and scorpions. No one enter in a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man. Then he will spoil his house. Now I've got to tell you something, Jesus says. All sin shall be forgiven under the sons of men. Blasphemies wherewith, wherewith soever they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiven us, but is in danger of eternal damnation. In other places, you, you, you're not going to get forgiven in this world. You're not going to get forgiven in the next. You're all done. Your goose is cooked eternally. Good night, sayonara. It doesn't say sayonara. I... <laughs> and I've, you've got to listen up closely. I've heard Calvary Chapel pastors teach this incorrectly. Okay? Just, uh, no, not Ken Graves. If you think it, no, no. But Calvary Chapel pastors. Blasphemy, they say, is like taking the Lord's name in vain. And they say, well, the Holy Spirit. And then you say some word like, you know, damn at the end of it, that that's blasphemy. I never heard anyone say that. So nobody goes to, nobody goes to hell. Yay, we all go to heaven. Great. That got nothing to do with anything. You want to hear blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? 
You can go to heaven by being a good person. You should, if you think I'm saying that from a high, you get up and run out of this church as fast as you can. That is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You want to hear blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? You know how Jesus does all these miracles? He does them because he's got Satan in him. He's energized by Beelzebub. That's how he does these miracles. That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It's not forgivable. Okay? Uh, Adam, you saying murder is forgivable? Yeah. I'm not saying you won't go to jail. I'm not saying in some states they won't put you in a, a ga- the gas chamber, the electric chair. I'm saying God will forgive. That's what I'm saying. On the authority of this book, right here. Uh, you're saying adultery is forgive- uh, forgivable because if I commit adultery, my spouse would never forgive me. Well, large clue, don't commit adultery. You don't have to worry about it. Will God forgive you? On the authority of this book, yes. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I don't think it's, there's nothing you can do that's unforgivable, except not take the forgiveness that God offers. That is, you're, 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 you're high and dry. You don't have a mechanism in place. You don't have any means to get your sins taken care of. Look, imagine somebody praying. I said this before. So this is, you've been here, you've, you've heard this. Imagine somebody praying, God, I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven when I die. I want you to come in and I want you to save me. And God audibly says to you, have you considered my son, Jesus Christ? Oh, no, he's demonic. What else you got? Don't. (laughs) Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You're not going to use the Savior as your vehicle to heaven? Good luck. So, Here's God hanging on a cross, dying for all our sins. All your sins, they're all paid for. They're all taken care of. They're all under the blood, except my sin of not availing myself of his atonement. That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You know what? I'm a good person. I don't think there might not even be a God. He doesn't care about us or about our... How do you recover from that? And maybe that was you. Maybe at some time you thought Jesus was demonic. or something. I, don't, I don't even know that person. Let's just say it was you. I'm sunk. Adam, I can't, there's nothing I can do. I was a, I was a member of a coven. I, I swore against Christ. I, I, told, I said I would never follow him. Blah, 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 blah. I'm sunk. Well, if you die that way. But I think even this is forgivable in this. Uh, Lord, I was so wrong. Forgive me. I, I, I didn't understand anything about Jesus. I thought he was a bad guy. I didn't, I, I thought he was, maybe, I thought he was demonic, but forgive me. I, I think the answer is yes. Based on the grace of God. I just know how awesome God is in his forgiveness. I, a lot of people think, oh, I've gone so far. I've done this. I've sinned against light. I, that's Satan talking. That's Satan talking. Listen, Judas betrayed Jesus Christ, and then he went and hung himself, and he sealed his faith. I think Judas, he, he felt remorse, but I don't think he ever repented. Obviously, the son of perdition. Okay, look, if he had said, Jesus, I don't, what was I thinking? Please forgive me. I'm sorry. I, do, I, do, I want you to forgive. I think Jesus would have forgiven him. I don't think there's a place you can go where God's mercy and God's grace can't reach you. That's what I think. Except 
Thank you? No thank you. Don't need your grace. Don't need your mercy. I got this all figured out. Oh, man. Who does that? Well, let me tell you who does that. Majority of America, all the people I talk with, eh, Jesus, eh, I'm a good person. I, I, don't, I don't kill, I don't kill, I don't cheat on my spouse. I'm a good person. I don't need Jesus. I would say that's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I would, I would say that. Sober place to end, isn't it? Well, because they say he hath an unclean spirit. Now, most of us haven't done that. But a lot of us, you know, I was right here right this morning, haven't availed ourselves of the forgiveness that God offers us. And that is regrettable. He loves you. He so loves you. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That means on the cross, that whosoever believeth in him, behaveth, no, believeth, shall have everlasting life and shall not come into condemnations, pass from death into life, another scripture tells us. Uh, And if you haven't received Jesus, what are you even waiting for? Talk to somebody. We'll lead you in prayer. It's easy peasy. Uh, what will happen? He'll come. He'll invade your life with his love. He will change you. If any man be Christ is new creation, because you're thinking like, I can't do this Christian thing. It looks very hard. Oh, it's not hard. It's impossible. You can't do it in the power of your flesh, but when the Spirit of God comes to live in you, it's a new day. You're a new being. Okay, I've said what I, I think God's brought me here to say this morning. Let's just stand and pray and Will God I hear singing? So when I say the uh, number seven, number six blessing, the, the Levitical blessing, go like this and collect it all. Don't let any of it fall to the ground, okay? Father, thank you for your awesome word. We thank you for our awesome Savior. We love him so. Demonic? No. The very Son of God. And everything he does is helpful and good only always. And Lord, we love doing life together with you. We enjoy your presence. We enjoy your blessing. We enjoy just, you know, being able to overcome Satan and sin. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.